Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But you're so lucky you don't have kids. You get to sleep in and travel. Do you know, I feel like throwing a brick at their head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this sense of, I remember even somebody saying, you know, you know, will I have responsibilities? I'm like, wait a minute. I have responsibilities too. You know, just because I don't have children, it doesn't mean I'm carefree and easy and that's it. I have responsibilities. I have a job. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, financial mm-hmm. issues, burdens, mm-hmm. responsibility, you know, all sorts of things. You I know, also have children. I do travel. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I have not been on a plane where there has not been a parent with <laughs> yeah. the screaming kid that's right behind me or in there front of go. me anyway. So the notion that I can do it and you can't is just ridiculous. What about, oh, you'll change your mind. You'd be such a great mum. Oh, you'd be such a great childless woman. <laughs> yeah. Or if you really wanted children, you could have tried harder. You are listening to the, the Dope Black Mums podcast. So I can't believe we have actually made it. I remember I messaged you in May. Was it that long ago? It was May. And here we are finally having a sit down. And um, I'm just really excited to be here today with British author and activist for childless women of colour, Avon John. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't got any sound effects. I'm usually <laughs> in my kitchen. This is very exciting to be here. But honestly, um, thank you. I This subject, obviously, is a big one. It comes up in our... WhatsApp groups and our Facebook groups and in our daily life often. And um, I think it is something we need to keep on talking about. I think it's a conversation we need to keep on having. And um, I think I wanna look at as many ways as possible for ourselves, for our own trauma, for our own healing, but also um, for the younger generation, just to understand that there are many possibilities for the future, to not get so um, locked into 2.4 children to Mm. that sort of vision um and i think it's quite a fresh time right now fresh time for women fresh time for black women and i think we need to keep on having these conversations to keep this conversation going um for people who may not have thought about this or people who may not feel they have a voice to have these conversations so Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I um, wanted to start from the beginning, really, and get an idea about your childhood. What was it like in your household growing up? 2.4 children. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so I have um, parents from my dad's from Dominica and my mum's from Trinidad. They came over in the 60s and they met here. Um, I love the story of how they met. <laughs> my mum was a nurse and my dad and his brother were cruising the nursing homes. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they met my mum, went to a party and yeah, that they, they got together from there and they had, so we lived, they lived in South London at the time. And I remember my dad telling me stories of how they lived in um, Dulwich or Peckham, I think around that time. Uh, they had, I have an older brother, 
who's a year and four months older than me, than I was born. And my, so it was just, the, I have two brothers, but at the time it was just the two of us because my younger brother is nine years younger than me. So for most of my growing up, it was me and my just older brother you. fighting a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where I got my activism spirit from because I was always having to stand up for having myself. To fight for the big yeah. piece of chicken. I get yeah. it. <laughs> so, but you know, it was a happy home. We did, my dad was very, he loved taking us out on day trips. My dad was, you know, I've got loads of pictures of him, of us being children and going out because my dad loved to do photography. So mm. it was, you know, I have a lot of memories and probably memories through the pictures. But they were there in terms of it, it allows me to relive my childhood through nice. the albums and, and the, all the memories my dad created from that side of it. So it was so really good. a happy good. childhood. It was happy. And my mum was a stay-at-home mum. Okay. So And my dad went out to work, yeah. Okay. Okay, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. A beautiful picture. And what... Well, how did you get into what you do now? How did you get into activism for childless women of yeah. color? How did that come about from I, that to there? How do we get here? I, this, well, there's a big gap. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> there's a I huge can imagine. gap. I was very shy. I mean, I was painfully a painfully shy child. So I think people probably, there are probably some people who would be surprised that I do what I do now mm. or, or vice versa. The people who know me now would be surprised to hear I was very shy. Um, that I, I never used to speak up. I never knew how to stand up for myself. Um, in a way, I let a lot of people walk all over me. Um, and that also came from not knowing who I was. So kind of a painful existence through my 20s as well. I think for me, um, how I became who I am now, what shaped me was when I was going through my the grief, working through the grief of being childless, I was in this place, and I remember being in the room. So I, I had done the Gateway Women's Plan B Mentorship Program. So it was for a year, and we met every month, and we had different things. We were looking at different themes throughout the month. Um, and I remember one point when we were looking at our Plan Bs and what that could look like. I So for me, my Plan B was finding my voice. I really I was in this place, and I thought, I really want to find my voice. And I really wanted to have give these women their voices back because it became painfully aware that through our childless journeys, no one was listening to us, no one was hearing, or they're hearing and not listening, or listening and not hearing, because they always wanted to fix us. So there was all these stories with women- Like it's fixable. Telling, you know, I, I'm not a mum, or, or trying to explain why, and somebody trying to fix it. Mm. And I remember hearing these, there was about 14 women in the group, and I remember standing up, just I, I literally just jumped up and went, that's it, I'm gonna write a book. What a moment. <laughs> and I remember thinking as soon as I did it, I was like, what oh, am I doing? I'm gonna do it now, but I've just already said it to a room full of people. It's true, and everyone was cheering, yeah, we're gonna be a part of it. And then they kept holding me to account. So every month they kept awesome. going, how's the book going, how's the book going? I'm like, I don't awesome. know how I'm writing this book. I'll be like, yeah, it's fine. And inside I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, how am I gonna write this book? Um, but they're making it reality, these women. They, they they're were. demanding something. I think if it wasn't for them, it, it probably wouldn't have happened because they were really holding me to account for yeah. this. Beautiful um, thing. But my, my driving force was I, I wanted people to, I wanted these women to have their voices back and I wanted people to hear. I think it is we one of the through. hardest things, and this may be a generalization, but I think it's definitely hard for women, traditionally harder for younger women to listen to your gut, be in tune, 
understand what you want, then go through the marathon of actually saying it, then stand yeah. behind it. Yeah. The thing is with that is that we are given a narrative. For, I'm, I'm sure my parents knew what I was going to be when my mum conceived <laughs> in terms of there's hopes and dreams and, you know, and especially from a black Caribbean household, it is when you grow up, you are going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I think those are the only two options I had. Mm -hmm. So to deviate from that was a no, no mm. to want to be anything other than that. You know, there wasn't the option. It was like, here's the narrative it's and this is table. what you follow. And, you know, I, I always say, you know, bless him. My dad had a script. So you'll go to go to school, go to college, go to university, have a good job, get married and have kids. And you have to do it in that order. And then your life is going to be fantastic. Mm. So there's nothing around being any different. I mean, even that plan, um, go to school, go to college, say if you're getting your PhD, so you're then there for a little yeah. bit longer. If you're getting your job, you've got your mortgage, all of that. Yeah realistically you could be maybe 34 35 yeah having achieved that yeah exactly the time where your biological yeah. clock jumps off a cliff yeah this is true then what but happens? this is another thing we're not taught so there's no realization of this and the way society has changed because there was a time when actually this wouldn't matter because we weren't really living that long and mm -hmm. therefore we're we in were the kitchen yeah children <laughs> a lot you know yes. in our teenage years because yes. actually that's what our bodies were meant to do in yeah. terms of fertility but society moved that and changed in a way, shifted the paradigm. So, and we were of a generation, I'm certainly of that generation of, it was about, we had these opportunities that our mothers didn't have. Absolutely. So it was about embracing it and Absolutely. running it's a, with it. It's a fresh time, yeah. it's a fresh time for women, yeah. it's a fresh time for black women. It's the, we are now, we've got jobs where we can also be mothers. We can also have careers. We can also have a mortgage. Yeah. We can also be the breadwinner. We can also choose to not have children. Yeah. And this is a fresh, fresh time. And there's going to be resistance. Even with that. those choices, though, there's still resistance. Yes. Because of we're, we're of that generation where we're able to do it. But we're around a generation that's telling us we shouldn't. Yeah. Or so trying to fix you or, or it clashes yeah. with the idea of what your future is because yeah. you haven't done those steps. Yeah. So it's a really also a confusing time and a complicated time because we're trying to it's fresh. push push Absolutely. those boundaries. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 and also no one's t like, you know, I know as a when I remember my 20 year old self, I didn't know who I was. So I actually hated dating in my, I mean, when I think back at it, it was like, I really hated Cringe. dating in my twenties yeah. yeah, and the experience. I had some good ones, but it was like, Ugh, because I didn't know who I was. So therefore I couldn't set my boundaries. I couldn't say no, I couldn't say what I wanted, which then led me to be in situations that I wasn't equipped for. And also no one taught me about this. So we had parents, you know, again, I know my parents did the best that they could with the resources they had. And I knew they didn't know any better in terms of how they brought us up. So, I, you know, I've worked through all of that in terms of I don't have any anger around that. Congratulations. And, you know, That's anymore because there was a load. time I did. Yeah. Um, and a lot of compassion with my parents because I can see them through different eyes now. Within that, I know that it was hard because I'm trying to figure out who I am, but wasn't allowed to, and also weren't told I could have choices because the only choice I could have was to listen and do what I was told to do. Totally, didn't have the freedom so or the permission to no, even yeah. think outside this box. Yeah. And then you've got the black woman yeah. on top of that. Let alone, you know, I had a, a real consciousness about being black because being first generation British as well. So there was a real consciousness around it, given my dad and the experiences he told me ha he had around racism when he came. Of course, because you're racism probably when he came. eclipsing. Yeah. 
So we've got, so again, now we're holding on. Well, that's not my experience because my experience was different, but also trying to be around my white peers but also hold on to this black identity that I actually don't understand. Yeah, and, and so also it, it's, it's new because you, for some families of your generation, our generation, yeah. you could be the first going to university. Yeah. You could be the, the, the first, there's first, first. There's a push for it. There's a push for it. There's a want for it. But there's also no experience or support because yes. no one's ever done yeah, it. We don't, know, we don't know what we're doing. So how do you yeah. support? How do you help that young student, that young Yvonne by herself yeah. in Manchester for the first time? You yeah. know, how, how, where is that? No yeah. one to lean on who's already been through these experiences. So yeah. you're there on your own with the weight of being the first. You've got to succeed. You've got to do it because you're the only person who's been your first. We've pushed you. You've done. You've done your after school. And you've you've done got the all weight of the pride of yeah. your family because it's you know don't bring shame on your family. Totally. And, and you know you've got and also you know they've come here being seen in this negative light. So therefore, to change that narrative in society, we have to be better. We have to do these great grandiose things so that they can go see we are good. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, okay. I've actually lost where I am. So, we were talking about your journey towards activism for childless women yes. of color. So, you were saying your dad had the plan of academia. You then get your job. You then find an amazing husband. You then have children, <laughs> and bish bash bosh, done. Right? Yeah, that was that was the dream. Right, the okay. plan. Yeah. And what happened? along the way for this so <laughs> I think I resisted the plan from day one anyway yeah. <laughs> I wasn't I had you know I realized late teens early 20s I had a very rebellious spirit so I was the maybe being the only girl and being told that girls should do this and girls can't do that and I so you know girls can't have short hair was a good one Ding, ding, ding. Yes. <laughs> Anybody can't see Yvonne now. She's got bright pink short hair. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, I, I, feel, I do feel for my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I think I aged him a lot quicker <laughs> yes. than he needed to be. I was very much the young lady saying why and trying to prove that whatever I was told I couldn't be, I could be. So, you know, whatever it was. So I, 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 was, I was very rebellious, but in a way uncontrolled because I, I didn't know how to manage that. Testing the boundaries. So, yeah, I, I still do that now. Yeah, I, as we should, it's, it's good, yeah. it's good. But it's, it's good too, yeah, it's nothing good. changes unless we will also that. prevent dementia as well, keep on oh, expanding the well, mind, like yes, of course. <laughs> I like it. Um, so for me, I remember um, being in this place, so, you know, as I said, I didn't have the best dating um, mm -hmm. journey in my 20s. Um, I got into my 30s a bit angered and disillusioned. Um, Is there any worry of, oh, okay, I'm in my 30s now. I thought I was going to be, I thought I could tick off these boxes. I thought I was going to be. I'd, I'm not sure if I would have said worry. Um, but what I had, so for me, a lot, I had complex emotions and feelings around um, my journey up until that point so in my early 20s so my last year at university and in my later 20s I so in my early 20s I had a termination I got pregnant I wasn't in a relationship um got pregnant and decided to terminate that pregnancy and then I remember thinking it's all it's going to be okay because actually got all uh, this time in yeah in, in the future somebody will want me somebody will want to marry me somebody will want to have kids with me so then 
fast forward to my later, late twenties, um, found myself in, in another situation, again, not in a relationship and pregnant and again, decided to terminate my pregnancies. Um, I, I knew I would have been a single mum if I continued. And it, it, it again, it didn't, it wasn't the story that was sold to me apart yeah. from other things. Again, it became com very that complicated. That wasn't what you wanted. That it wasn't what it, what, it wasn't what I wanted for my life. And it wasn't the, if I was gonna do it, it wasn't that story that I wanted that to get into that. Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of complex emotions and difficult emotions around that as well. So I then went into a church. So I was in a charismatic environment and I was there for probably nearly 10 years. And during that time, because there's this whole thing around, you know, when it comes to religion, marriage is an important, no sex before marriage, getting married, you have kids. So then in a way I bought into the narrative more through that environment. And I felt like, well, God's gonna forgive me for the past. So he's gonna make it all new and wash away my sin. So I really bought into the narrative around um, Christianity. And in a way had this hope around it will happen and I will get married and somebody will choose me and they'll want me and all of that. And actually it didn't. So I left that and environment. And what was that moment like? Wh how old are you then when you're just like, maybe this is my last relationship where I could have had children or this is the last so I potential was 20 spouse? So partner? I never actually experienced that in the, in the way you've described it. For me, it was when I... I went into that environment at 26. And at that time I had experienced the death of an ex-boyfriend who I was very close to. So I felt like, and I was 25 and um, yeah, I think I was 25, he was 26 when he passed away. So I was in this place of crap. So I'm, you know, what is, what is this all about? I really have to change my life around. I'm making these stupid decisions and I'm making all these mistakes. And I, I, I felt like I really needed to change that. And I was at a really low point in my life. I hated looking at myself in the mirror. Couldn't walk down, you know, I'd walk down the street with my head low. And it just felt like this was the only option in terms of turning my life around. So I, I went into that church and I was an active member. I was in the choir, very so active member. So it really member. anchored you, grounded so, you during that time. Yeah, so, you know, I really felt like I needed to do it. And, I, and then all of a sudden I have this family and this sisterhood and I belonged and well, I never felt sense. that before. Yeah. Um, it did fall apart and I left when I was probably about 35, 36, um, very lost, um, probably suffered from a bit of depression, depression at that time because of, of the effects and, and, and the impact of that environment losing has on that. me yeah. and losing it as well. And I remember also then I was on this journey because I thought I really wanted to understand what happened to me and what I was going through. So I went on this self-discovery journey and then hit maybe around 37 and thought do you know what I'm probably going to be on my own I'm of an age where you know I was very conscious that fertility you know I could have a fertility issue I might not get pregnant if if anyone was around because no one was around at that time yeah so there was the, the thing of having to meet someone and then yeah. have some time with them before even try totally and from 35 yeah it's really so, like we said dropping off the yeah. cliff at that stage. And not yeah. even realizing it from the biological sense. I mean, you yeah. hear things like your biological clock's ticking and things yeah. like that, but we're, never, we're not taught about but fertility. But we don't know, you don't know. So, yeah. and, and me, for me, it was just being conscious that I'm of an age where this matters. Yes. So I kind of felt that, do you know what? You know, I've, I've made my choices in my twenties and I thought I'd dealt with it and, and worked through 
my terminations I hadn't at mm. all I buried it and hid it and shut it away in the bottom drawer and so when I got to this place I thought well you know what I'm okay I've made my decisions it's not going to happen I probably won't get married but it's all fine I'm going to and I think I made plans to if I hit 40 and I'm still single I'm going to Africa and I'm going to do whatever you know I was going to do something big I did meet my or the man I married um at 38 so we met at a Dominican function <laughs> um we became friends um dated for a while and then yeah he proposed and we got married when I was 39 he's three years younger than me and we went to Jamaica it was brilliant dream wedding I loved mm, it where loved in Jamaica it. uh Osherius. lovely, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I think on, on the, the beach uh, we had um so we were in uh Jamaica Grand Hotel mm -hmm. so they had different sections so it was like overlooking the sea mm. it was beautiful mm. absolutely beautiful I can hear all the Jamaicans going it's not Ocho Rios <laughs> forgive me I'm from a different part of the island um but yes so we got married um and prior to getting married we had a conversation about having kids and we just felt like you know we're of an age our time's over so we and it was about having kids biologically was there yeah. any thought of um no. adoption no, the thing is, at the time, it kind of, it wasn't on our radar. We just, we had this conversation. We recognized our age. We recognized it probably it wasn't a possibility. And we actually, maybe we bargained our way into this, but thought we were okay. And we would be fine. It would just be the two of us. So first year of marriage was great. So at 40, I decided, you know, I really want to try. But purely because I didn't want to hit the menopause mm -hmm. without trying, because I felt, that would that is the chance my, there. Yeah, yeah you that's know, the that would answer. be my like it's game over now. So I really wanted to have been at menopausal that menopausal stage, knowing I had tried, mm -hmm. and it would have been okay if I hadn't had any hadn't and had children. Did he want to try as well? At he 40? wasn't as keen, <laughs> so I had to do a lot of convincing. You know, um, that's ladies, a big conversation. You know, sexy underwear and yeah, yeah. alcohol works yeah, treat. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we so you know I did convince him to. Try. try um and i know he did that for me he he wanted to see me happy so he did go along with it and then saw me we tried naturally for three years and he probably saw me turn into this crazy fertility uh, what can we call bridezilla there must be a yeah. mumzilla type yes, yes, term yes, yes. <laughs> for when you're trying to conceive but you checking ovulation checking everything yeah. yes and it became so frenzied oh my god regimental yeah. and yeah. You know, I got to this place, you know, I love kissing, I love foreplay, you know, all of that stuff yeah. is great. And I got to this place was like, don't even bother Cut kissing that all out. Let's just get to the get good stuff. Get on the bed, get your trousers yeah, off, yeah. let's get I on with it. I am ovulating, let's go. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it surprised me. I mm. didn't, you know, to see that side of me. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and one of the things I realized post that part of my journey was that everyone assumes, and I did myself, that getting pregnant was easy. Us. The stories we're told when we're younger is don't have sex, you'll get pregnant. Yeah. Make sure you protect Oops, yourself. You yeah. And, you know, I'm sure people thought if they thought about it too hard, they'd get pregnant because yeah. this is what people are selling us. Yeah. So when you're in this place where it isn't easy and for me, having been pregnant before mm. when it was and it was easy. Yeah. That to now be with someone I loved and someone who loved me in a, in a position where I wanted it. Yeah, and it's not happening. It was so, I, so hard. I hated my body. 
Mm. I hated my body. I have, I'll come on to this story in terms of my womb and what that represented for me as well. That at the time for me, it was like this, I couldn't understand why on? this wouldn't happen because working. it's supposed yeah it's yeah. supposed to happen and, natural and, it, thing in the world. and it's right because remember the, the narrative i was given the script i was given mm. told me i was mm. now in the right place you've so done everything you've yeah. got your husband you've done and everything i literally right. said i've done everything right it doesn't make any sense to me why this isn't happening and did you have tests did you go in yeah we had a year of fertility investigation which was hard as well because you know i remember one particular test was very painful I think it's the one where they put the dye through your tubes. Oh, yeah. So painful. Mm. And I remember my husband saying, uh, or my then husband saying to me, um, is this worth it? Yeah. And I I think he did see Mumzilla. I don't know. I need to give her a name now. Babyzilla or something. <laughs> but he did see that crazy, you know, I was angry at him saying that because I thought when you're, when you're in that place and you then want baby. The stakes are that high. I, How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You can't, you can't, say is it worth it because it is when I have baby mm. the difficulty is when you don't have baby and you've gone through all of that then it's like what do you do because I can imagine the all the complicated emotions anger the whatever you know all the stuff that comes up when you're trying and it's not easy and the arguing because there is arguing do not be fooled there's always arguing and then you have baby you I, I can imagine oh it was all worth it and, oh. and and I've kind of experienced that mothers forget how difficult it was. Rose tinted. Because they don't need Absolutely. to remember because they yeah. have baby. Yeah. So therefore... And it's so immediate. Yeah. That baby has needs immediately. Yeah. You've got to get yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you don't have baby and you've gone through all of that, it's so hard. You know, it's a really painful end. There's still a beginning in this, but it's a really painful end to that part of the journey because you put so much energy into it in every sense of the word and you've got nothing. What does that do to your relationship? Oh my God. <laughs> it, it was, it, it broke down. I mean, my, the thing is what I don't want to, I remember somebody saying to me, oh, you know, cause my, my marriage did end. And I remember somebody saying to me, is it cause of the baby thing? And I wanted to slap them. Cause mm -hmm. I thought, well, no, that's unfair. It wasn't. You know, we, we didn't break up because we couldn't have children. Having children, not going through the journey of having children exposed 
compounds it absolutely the, different, the, dif- the, the difficulties and the deficiencies and all the stuff because I really notice things around our communication and totally. you know things like that and I have a lot of love for my husband and I released him with love when I realized I couldn't that continue in the relationship and mm-hmm. that was a hell of a journey to get there and and I didn't you know I didn't take the decision lightly I was in three years of therapy that's to work a whole other podcast that is alone, tremendously yeah. difficult uh, you know and, I, and I'm saying that because I want people to hear that we can't always do this on our own mm. it is about support and and I needed to work through stuff and that was working through loads of years of stuff it wasn't just about my marriage and th- as I said for me the way I describe it is the baby thing, and I'm using air quotation marks now, is that it exposed the deficiencies that were hidden because we didn't need to see them before. Yeah, and you don't know till you know. And maybe a difference in values, and there's nothing wrong with that, that you just are who you are. All of this stuff you shift, you you will never be the same again when you go, whatever you go through, you'll never be the same again. You can't unfeel it. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I shifted a lot more than he did. And that's fine. It wasn't fine when we were there because it, it hurt. It was painful. Mm. But I know but that's, that's both what of your coping mechanisms yeah. and that, that is it. Yeah. That's the reality of it. I think the thing is, is we didn't, again, we're not taught this. So we didn't know that this was possible. We didn't therefore know how to look after ourselves in it and look after each other in it. So it created a bigger divide than it may have done for other people and that's why it's amazing you can sit here and talk about it because it's the conversation we need to keep on having for everybody especially within the black community Mm. we Mm. we sometimes there's a historical um issue of sweeping under the cupboard don't want Uh, anybody to know my business i can't chat about my stuff outside my house don't talk about it don't talk about it yeah we're strong buckle down you can do it um get on with it you know so it's really good to hear you talking about this. It's mm. amazing the work you do and championing people who maybe don't have the language or yeah. aren't in the space to be able to talk about it. And just saying thank you for being able to do that because um, it's hard. And even people listening, you know, might feel comfortable to start talking about it with someone that they trust. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. Do you know really as difficult it, as it is, there's so much healing in that. Mm. And what I found, because when but we... But that's courageous, though. It is. It's really it is. courageous. I don't underestimate at all what it takes, you know. And, and people could look at me and think, you're this, you're this, you're this. Uh, but you have no idea. What it took to get here. <laughs> oh what it takes God. to stand here in this body and be there here. There was a lot of tears. Yeah. 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 A lot of I broken, had to dye my hair pink. I was... <laughs> I've dyed my hair blonde. It's gone many colours, many yeah. colours to pink. And I've been blonde as well. I love the blonde too. But yeah, it's, it's you know, for me, the other side of this is is realising there's an expression of self. It's allowing me to be me and, and be seen as me and not hiding from that because I spent too many years hiding. And being comfortable in that space. Yeah. And, and that space is changing, like we said, for all these different reasons why it's a fresh space for women and a fresh space for black women. And there's that clash maybe against our our parents' generation mm. and that thinking. Yeah. That's a tough space to stand in. Yeah, just yeah. to stand there and be it yourself is. with your pink hair and be it amazing. Is. That that's <laughs> difficult. So yeah. it gives people courage and and passion and, and love to be able to do that for themselves. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's great it means when a lot you do to be that. Able to do it. Yeah, it does. It does. And be allowed, because there's spaces that don't allow you that. So there is a, there's a thing around being allowed as well. 
and being accepted for it too. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. Okay, I have a quick fire round. What would you say when someone says, but you can always just adopt? <sighs> this is, I, I don't even know if I could do this one quickly because <laughs> it's so much. But I just like, really, if it's so easy, why don't you do it? I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, I did, probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, you know, there's this thing around people thinking this is easy. I remember somebody saying this to me once. Like, I, I was speaking and I was telling people how difficult it was and, you know, things that are not helpful and the why don't you adopt was one of them. And just like it's that simple mm. as well. And I and then they stood up and said, oh, my, you know, I know somebody who adopted and they adopted a little girl and they're so happy now and mm. oh, you should do it. And I'm like, really? But honestly, when you get down to nitty gritty of it for some women who are middle-aged who may be single x amount of savings yeah it's not actually Do you that know, simple i have supported women through um the workshops i do with gateway women with the ring night weekends and, and also outside of that through women i've come across in terms of they have tried to adopt and was rejected i can imagine and then this yeah. is the other thing is people do the whole why don't you just adopt and don't realize there's a process mm. that women have to go through or couples mm. have to go through and they can be turned down from that absolutely so when you're now your body's rejected you from having a baby now the system is rejecting you they're saying you're not good enough to to adopt these children what do you do with that and then i know women or couples who have adopted and found it really hard it's special parenting and totally. actually not everyone's able to do that. I think for my own journey, I knew I couldn't have done it. And also I was too much in grief to even consider it. And to I, have then space I, to yeah, think about I couldn't. It. And I needed to heal myself before I could then start to hold on to somebody else's damage. And I'm using that in the kindest way I can. But totally. children are in care for the a reason. The likelihood <laughs> is they're going to have suffered trauma. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, I wasn't in a place to do that. I really wasn't in a place. Or financially, here's another thing. It takes a lot to do this. They Absolutely. want you to bond with that child. For, you know, don't work for a year so you can bond with the child. Not everyone can do that. Yeah. I think people just don't realise how crazy their just adopt statement is. Absolutely. In terms of the reality of it. What about, but you're so lucky you don't have kids. You get to sleep in and travel. Do you know, I feel like throwing a brick at the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this sense of, I remember even somebody saying, you know, you know, will I have responsibilities? I'm like, wait a minute. I have responsibilities too. You know, just because I don't have children, it doesn't mean I'm carefree and easy and that's it. I have responsibilities. I have a job. Mm -hmm. I have you know, financial mm -hmm. issues, burdens, mm -hmm. responsibility, you know, all sorts of things. You I know, also have children and I do travel. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I have not been on a plane where there has not <laughs> been a parent with yeah. the screaming kid that's right behind me or there in front of go. me anyway. So please, it the is notion of I travel can with do, child. you know, the notion that I can do it and you can't is just ridiculous. <laughs> what about, oh, you'll change your mind. You'd be such a great mum. Oh, you'd be such a great childless woman. <laughs> yeah. Or if you really wanted children, you could have tried harder. Yeah. You would have done this. You could have done that. Have you thought about this? What about this magical cure? What about this new treatment I read about? What about this quick fix? That one really bugs me. You can imagine. It really bugs me. because, And I remember being in a place where I felt I berated myself. I belittled myself because I felt like maybe I didn't try hard enough. When... Because it feels like you're not allowed to make a decision. 
in this on this journey and also what is hard enough what is enough you know, you're going to say to the lady who's had 11 unsuccessful rounds of IVF that she didn't try hard enough. Yeah, just the, one more go. Exactly. Go you know, yeah. and no one takes on board the emotional strain this takes. Totally. Know. I chose not to have IVF or to adopt because emotionally I wasn't in a, I couldn't do it. But you could be speaking to women who have had countless miscarriages, exactly. countless baby loss of, of all the varieties exactly. of baby loss and what that does on your body, the it, emotional toll, what it go. takes on your relationship and also what it takes on finances everything the trauma of it all do you want to try again and again and again and oh here we go again like when is enough you know the it's endless they're enough their definition of enough is endless and i remember a friend of mine who had three rounds of ivf over 10 years i think she did and and, and unsuccessful rounds and she said yvonne you know at some point you have to stop and you have to say no because this is about self-preservation as well absolutely self-care does mean there's a time and I have to say no I need to put myself first now and and that's it I think that's another reason I want to keep on having this conversation is again listening to your gut understanding what you need um and maybe ignoring messaging from society ignoring yeah. messaging from your childhood ignoring all these different voices that we get and just really understand what's right for you um it's fine to make that decision you can choose um you can choose to be childless obviously some women are childless out of choice some women yeah. are childless out of circumstance um but when you get to a stage it's okay and you can stand behind that decision and that is your decision and you have every right to make that decision. And you see people getting called selfish or it's unnatural or, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not a real woman. Yeah. Um, or what about all these maternal instincts or who's going to look after you when you're older? Um, all these yeah, it's, comments it's, that come up, which are just baseless and thoughtless. And is. this is the conversation that well, I want to have so that we yeah. can try and normalize these conversations yeah. and stop try and shift our thinking well, i think there's a thing around this because just listening to you nina there's this you know it reminds me of this whole well just because you have kids you're sorted now, yeah um it thing yeah which isn't true you've achieved something yeah you know you you you've got your child so you sorted so you they're going to look after you, blah, you mm. know, blah, blah, blah. and actually of course. it's not true no it's not true and you won't be lonely and you know some of the loneliest people are parents yeah for, you know, and it also takes away from the fact that we are just people with uh, uh, personalities. You know, even things like, you know, the nurturing thing. There are mothers that are not nurturers. Absolutely. So there are people who um, shouldn't be mothers. Yeah. There are people who should never be near children. And there are people who are so, meant to be mothers. There are people who unfortunately can't be mothers and people who should just be aunties. Well, there's this thing around what I, what comforts me is, uh, or has comforted me is learning about the mother in spirit. So the mother mm. within. And I don't have to give birth for this to exist. Absolutely not. And yeah. Because there, there are many ways to be in a mum as well. So knowing that I'm a mother within mm -hmm. is enough. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. then whatever I do, that is going to be there. It's and not being connected there to that energy I, with everything exactly, that you do. Exactly. And I didn't, it didn't change me. And I know there's some women that might say it did. And there's, I suppose, the thing around this being true or society feeling that this this is what happens is that you know you're like you're one character pre giving birth and as soon as you push a human being 
outside of your legs. You're, you're now this Mother Teresa saintly, godly person. This isn't true. So that this is what one of the difficulties with this as well. You know, there is the who am I now? Am I a real woman? Because that is there. Yes. And there's also this thing around I'm not a nice person. Or, uh, you know, I, I'm not caring. or Because that all feeds into that. There's this... The motherly verse, mother, the mother, mother exactly. verse womanhood. Yeah, so there's this mother archetype that means that you're a nurturer, a mom, you're maternal. You're all this positive. So therefore, if you're not a mum, you're all the negative ones. And it's so not true. Mm. And there's a thought, you know, for me, doing my grief work and working with Gateway Women and doing the Reignite Weekend Workshops and supporting women through their grief journeys is that reclaiming of this of the positive archetype, of this mother archetype in, in terms of, well, actually, I do have all these positive attributes as well. Yes. It's just you're not letting me, you're not even letting me own them. Yeah, and we have to give ourselves permission yeah. to own them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it might take society or other voices or people in your life to catch up, but we have to do that. And I say this intellectually, knowing it's hard emotionally, but we this is the aim we, yeah, we, yeah. we try yeah so for anybody listening right now that is struggling um with how to support a childless woman or any women listening who are childless what can you say to them what can we how can we support them what spaces are available to them so for the family and friends it's you know i'm encouraging them to stop fixing Yes. We do not need fixing. And actually, you know, be comfortable with the unfixable. Absolutely. Because this, and it isn't theirs to fix. Okay. And, and uh, fixing, there's a connotation around fixing in terms of you're broken and you need to be fixed and, and put back together. And actually, they don't. Um, what we need is someone to hold us, let us cry, allow the tears to recognize we're grieving and to accept it honor it you know i'm so sorry that you're going through this was enough for let's me let's acknowledge it some people just don't even bring it up it, this is it you know it, it's making the visible invisible visible mm, and that might sure. be uncomfortable for them yeah but if you're truly here yeah to support like be present that's it and allow the absence to be present because there's an absence of the baby there's an absence you know the hope the, and there's the all that grief the, all sorts of stuff that is playing out for them and it's stuff you unless you've been through it and clearly if you're a parent you haven't in in this sense you 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 parents have fertility journeys too mm -hmm. however what i have found is when when it's resulted in baby there's either a diminishing diminishing of it or a forgetfulness of it mm -hmm. however because you've got baby in a way i'm being very i'm trying to be very kind in how i say this but in a way it doesn't matter how i got here i've got here so remember that even though you might be able to identify with part of the story, you can't, you can't identify with the whole story because the whole thing with these journeys is that it, it doesn't end in the baby. So the whole thing is, is what happens when you go through all that and it still results and, in and no baby. And all of that, yeah. the no baby, the no baby having children, yeah, the yeah, no grandchildren, the grief of all of that, whole all thing. of those future and journeys. And also you're not giving the gift of grandchildren to your parents. Because I remember, like, yes. for me, I had a lot of grief around watching my dad. And maybe and guilt, I didn't even think shame. There was a who do I, be how do I belong? Where do I fit in? Because I have two brothers and they both have children. 
Um, then I had the point. So there's things that you don't realize are going to come up until they come up because you, you're not going to sit there going, oh, I'm going to and then I'm going to grieve this and then I'm going to grieve that because you don't. At the time, it's this. This is the stuff and it's mine and, and this is what I'm going through. So said it's I want people who are not in this situation to recognize this is real and it's hard and it's deep and it hurts and it's painful. And most of the time we won't have words to describe it other than we're sad. We might not even understand the sadness. So it's about validating it and letting it be there. And you know what? If you don't know where to send them, just offer them, look, can can we look for places for support? Um, you know, I belong to Gateway Women. So here you go. There's Gateway Women. Which we'll go Google if you Absolutely. don't know. Go and Google and say support for childless women. There are resources out there. Um, the other part of this is... Um, around um for the women who are there again to find find the support and you know i'm find not going to say safe space. it's find your tribe yeah and it, you know i would never say don't talk to your family or friends i'm caught i'm cautioning that they're not always the ones that are going to be able to help because they want to, they don't want to see us hurt yeah and you're talking about so find that tribe wherever so that find, whatever yeah, shape that comes in find the support because being in and that it might room, not look like you think it looks absolutely absolutely and there's and even that support is a journey it's not oh, i'm here now and i'm done it is and that it's takes a journey. courage to open up yeah yeah that being in that space where it's heard listened to understood believed allowed acknowledged named yes it's 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 just so powerful so so powerful you know th these these pain the, the grief needs to be witnessed and and it's a place of witnessing Thank you so much for sharing. I could go on and on and on. I've got four pages of notes that I wanted to get through. I think we've touched on the, the tip of it, but just thank you so much for being so open, so honest, um, for sharing for sharing yourself with us. Um, I'm going to put some links in the copy um, for resources and some support groups that... Um, you've highlighted that yeah. could be useful and um i'll put all of yvonne's links in as well if anybody wants to reach out to her and what's coming up next for you ah <laughs> <laughs> this is like the hardest question <laughs> um so i'm on a real personal journey this this year because i you know separated from my husband going through a divorce I really wanted to focus on me. So mm -hmm. really, I'm, and this year probably will extend to two years, but I'm really working on me. Yes. Embracing who I am, hence the pink How and purple How liberating, hair. love it. Oh my God, really wanting to be a sense of, it's okay not to be okay. And it is what it is. And, and experience me through different situations, through different people and embrace her. Cause I never had the chance to do that before. I was yeah. ashamed of her in a lot of ways. So I'm really, I'm really enjoying embracing her through different eyes and different experiences liberating i'm also i've just started a black psychology course awesome so really because i when i do my talks so uh, you know i really talk and supporting especially women of color and black women through their fertility journeys there's a lot of stuff around our history i can imagine black health and yeah. how we're seen systemic racism this would be a great how it all great plays podcast. out Absolutely. listen i'm ready to go again <laughs> just, yeah. just call me i'm here that there's, you know, I've even even in on my own journey in terms of because I'm pod do, you know, I get invited on podcast interviews and um, public speaking and people want to hear around the black experience of fertility. I've learned so much from that. Mm. And this stuff is deep. Mm -hmm. We can sit here and go 
X, Y, and Z, and you know about it. it it's like deep, deep when you rooted. when you you know I think that there's a thing around systemic racism that people don't get. Mm. That it's it's deep, so vast. Deep, it's so fast. It's white. almost yeah. impossible to and, fathom. And when you look at unconscious conditioning, the things that are playing out that even the person doing it isn't realizing they're doing it. Mm. You know things. That I remember because I suffered very badly well I had fibroids so I had very very painful periods um constantly at the doctor I mean to the point that was so anemic that even then my consultant who was looking after me at the time was like I don't know how you've been walking and for years for years I was in this position and no one was doing anything so when you go back to slavery times and and the mm -hmm. fact that we were experimented Our on mistrust of the medical profession because Absolutely. they felt we didn't feel pain mm -hmm. that rhetoric is still there mm -hmm. oh god god it is of course so, you yeah. know it's like it's easy you know we sit there and try and brush it off no no, no, no. you know even the other side is no one well, no i'm not like that but actually unconsciously you don't I unless you face thing. it unless you look thing. at it yeah you're not gonna know so this you know as i said for me starting this black psychology course i'm so excited a year and a half. This is going to stretch me. Yeah. And I bet it's just giving you little nuggets, yeah. little tools, little tips, little keys. Yeah. Of just, right, that I, makes sense. And that fits there. It and that it's like just this puzzle clarity. that's coming together. It's, I can it's imagine. Ding. There's the subtleties yeah. of our everyday experiences. Oh, my goodness. When it's This revealed, is why my frame of reference yeah. is. This is why I yeah. feel like this and I'm leaning towards this. And what's this going and on over yeah. there. And oh, that's why I wasn't getting the help. And, yeah. you know, when it comes to black women and That's why I wasn't asking. Mm. Oh, this, there's so much, so much playing out in this that, you know, even the breed, you know, uh, breeding myths from slavery time that's mm -hmm. still playing out now because we're hyper fertile mm. apparently mm. but you know actually we're twice as likely to be infertile than white women S you know the stats are there the studies are there to prove that actually black women are, are more susceptible to fertility issues than white women but yeah the reverse narrative is out there yeah. in terms of because i remember growing up you breed like rabbits mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. we were seen as these hyper fertile hypersexual hypersexual yeah so yeah. yeah, there's a lot, a lot playing out, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to start learning a bit more, uh, go even deeper than I already have with all of this, and and who knows, I'll start to be <laughs> my podcast going to take, not my podcast, my my public speaking will take a different Absolutely. dimension. But it's you know, I'm very excited again, learning new, learning Amazing. another dimension of myself as well. So well, I'd love to speak about that as well. Yeah, and I'll hear happily. everything you're up to. <laughs> Dope Black Mums. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm.